fellow investigators and welcome back to our video podcast into the darkness where my friends and i play the call of cthulhu role-playing game i'm your host tom Rayleigh. the scenario is cold warning it was written by scott d anielowski and is updated to the seventh edition by oscar rios and tim McGonagall, and it's available from golden goblin press i'm your game master and this is episode two the recap will be given by josh harwood as his character ricky Rand. so without any further delay let's continue our journey into the darkness. Josh? Thanks, Tom. All right. I better write a letter to my wife. Well, fiance, anyway. So, how do I start it? To Erica, the love of my life. I won't be back home for a few days. Work sent me on a letter delivery. But it's become complicated. As I now have to go in search of a recipient, it's tedious and annoying. As I keep telling you, I think they send me on these annoying tasks because they don't want me there and they don't believe I can make it as a lawyer. I know they make fun of me behind my back. I can't help how I am. I worked hard to get where I am. I'm 35 and I worked hard. Ah, God damn it, I'm getting carried away again. Should I even include that in the letter? Ah, crap, why did I write that? And that? Shit. Anyway, when I went to the house, I met two men. Oh, what was the name? Uh, Dr. Burke and Professor Stamp. Uh, they were tasked to check on Miss Sutton, who, the recipient of the letter that I need to give the letter to, obviously. And uh, they were checking into a suicide of her husband, Joseph Sutton, which uh, led me to meet their friends, Lopez and Sinclair. They seem like your average detectives. Honestly, the only one I like at the minute is Stamp. He seems nice enough. I'm gonna be stuck with the four of them on this journey anyway, so I might as well get used to them. Try to make friends. Back to the point. At, at the house, we met Miss Sutton's upstairs tenant, Gary. He's a musician, and he let us in. We found a few documents, and that uh, P.I. Lopez noticed that Joseph Sutton's brother, Stuart, forged Joseph's suicide note, which honestly is quite suspicious. Luckily, my four companions know that the Suttons have a cabin not far from Banger, which I'd assume is where Stuart and Marilyn, who, by the way, is pregnant, ran off to, which means that's where I have to go. After... After the house, we visited Burke's office at the local hospital, and I was kind of peer pressured into opening the letter, which, by the way, was a pointless letter about worried parents and actually should go back to the hog farm. Yes, I can just hear you screaming at me now. You can slap me when I get home, and I know I shouldn't let people push me around. As I'm writing this, I've just woke. Berkeley has stayed at his giant house. It's very lovely, actually. But we're heading to the employer's house. I think he's called Dr. Harold. Harold? 
no, it's Harrod Desert. It's very cold out and a lot of snow. I hope I don't slip and bang my head in the ice. I hope it all goes smoothly. I can't wait to see you and the kids soon. I love you. From Richard. All right. So after that, obviously, you went to the house, you slipped and fell and banged your head on the ice. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, you've all gone into Dr. Herod's office and you have found a place which seems to have been blasted with ice. The window is wide open. Dr. Herod sits at his desk, his hands out like this, frozen, apparently solid, his eyes glazed over with frost, his lips black with uh, frostbite, his fingertips of his hands black. What do you do? Uh, well, I'm going to approach the body and check for vitals or even to see if he's movable with those ex outstretched arms. All right. Um, yeah, where's the doctor? Get the doctor in here. Yep. Are you going to uh, take off your gloves to check vitals? Obviously, you're going to have to. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Leading GM question. Uh, do a dodge check, we'll call it. Okay. Uh, 38 out of, oh, 30. Hmm, that would be a fail. Okay. I made it. You made it. Um, Steve, as you reach for the body, you reach for one of the wrists and uh, you grasp it, hoping to see if you can, you can find a, a pulse, but it's, it's literally hard like stone. Um, Dr. Uh, Burke, you sort of do the same thing, but just as you're standing there, uh, Steve yanks his hand back and rubs his finger. Apparently it's so cold, it's actually given him a, uh, a frost burn on his finger. Hmm. Um, uh, Steve, you can take one point of damage. And your hand will sting for quite a while. Mm -hmm. He seems to be actually even colder than the, uh, than the room around you. And then the room is noticeably colder than it is outside. So as we look at the scene in the desk, does it look like he had even time to react or does everything look like it, it doesn't look like he had much time to react, and there is definitely Rhine ice uh, that's literally, instead of freezing this way, it's frozen like this way. From and, the blast. And it all, it all seems to point towards the open window. There's frost on the window and, and pieces of Rhine ice that poke out into the room like, like little horizontal stalactites. Can we tell what he was looking at? Like, did he have a book in front of him? Did he have a file in front of him? Anything like that? There are papers on his desk, but they are underneath layers of, of, of ice. So to be clear, it looks like the blast came from inside the room going out? It looks like it came from the window. Okay, I'd like to cross the room to the open window and look outside. Because um, the house was described as being kind of almost buried, lifted over, almost buried, right? Right. Um, so 
am I, is there snow right next to the window? Is that yes, open there are, at there's, all? There's a large snow drift right up almost to the, the bottom of the window. And right below this ground floor, when, this is the ground floor, right? Uh, that's correct, yeah. Uh, right below, there aren't any footprints in the snow or anything? Nothing. Um, okay. the, the snow is, snow is smooth. Can I close the window? Um, do a strength check. Uh, made it. All right. Uh, yes, you are able to close the window, but it's it sticks because it's frozen, and uh, and you managed to pull it down. You've put your gloves back on, I assume, at this point. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to move the uh, snow off the papers. See if I can get at what he was looking at. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna like check over the desk as well. Just yeah, I would too. This one. Um, it looks like he was looking over his accounts for this last month, um, but uh, you can't actually uh, get to the paper itself. It's literally got a thin layer of ice over it, so you can see it sort of through the ice. Um, all of the shelves behind the doctor that had the, uh, the wax cylinders on them are also frozen solid. Everything is frozen. The uh, Edison machine is frozen. Was there a cylinder on the machine? Uh, there was not. And did we notice if there were any other kind of unusual documents or books around or? Well, it's hard to tell. I mean, it's 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 a doctor's office, so there's going to be lots of stacks of things here and there, and filing cabinets. And Nothing stuff. that obviously doesn't belong. Correct. And his fingertips were blackened, as if frostbit, like frostbite. Yeah. So is like his his lips and his the end of his nose and probably his ears. Blizzard's pretty terrible outside. Um, is there any street activity at all? Uh, this time of morning, yeah, there probably is. Okay. Sorry. Maybe I should um, make sure the police are alerted. What do you think, okay. Steve? I'll just run that by uh, by Steve and Liam <clears throat> before I do so. I think once we, we need to check. Let's finish checking... Uh, doing a search ourselves before we involve the police because this looks I mean I don't want to get all hokum pokum here but that doesn't look like a north a, a normal nor'wester for New England that would come in and do this the police are like you think window open overnight yeah you don't you don't get frostbite as you're holding up your arms against a blast that freezes you. Right, fair enough. But he's uh, he he's dead, right? I I'll leave that to the doctor. I, uh, I, looked, at the, I looked at the doctor. I mean, he's not uh, he's not. Recovered. I would say he's dead. Yes. This is fucked up, man. What have I got myself well, into? In this time, had they done any work or thought about? Like instant froze. Sometimes when people freeze very fast, you could actually warm them up and bring them back. Is that much later medically or 
Yeah, like cryogenics, oh. yeah, that's going to come much later. <laughs> no, they do it in deep sea diving. People who fall into the, the North Sea, and if they're flash frozen, they can often bring them up fast enough, and if they warm them up slowly, they can bring them back from what appears to be death. But I don't know at what, age, what year that started to be done. Well, you're welcome to try. No, I would, a, doctor, a, med, a hospital would have to do it. But if we're going to do that, we have to call them right away. They have to not let him defrost, essentially. Oh, can we get a fire going here? You know, there's a fireplace, I presume, right? Is there any way we can that, get a fire that wouldn't here? That wouldn't do it. It has to be done under conditions where you can then shock the person back to life. Well, I don't think they were shot doing defibrillation in the 20s. No? Okay. Let me um, see if we can talk to the housekeeper and see the last time she heard from him. Well, uh, I was just going to say about that time, uh, you hear back outside the office at the front door, dear God, what's going on in here? Everything is frozen. You hear Miss uh, uh, Swain, wasn't it? Or something? Swain. Uh, I will try to intercept her. I'll what, try to catch her before what? she walks into the room. What what's going on? A doc, doctor, Doctor Stamp. Where is the doctor? Why is everything frozen? Uh, we don't know yet. We're we're trying to figure that out. Um, you better you better not come in there. Come come on, let's let's go uh, let's go outside. Why? What's what's wrong? Doctor Herod's dead. Oh dear God! How he's dead. I'm prepared to catch her in case she faints. Well, she just gets a little shaky. All right. Probably if she in saw that case, then I'll just put a firm, you know, arm, you know, around her, kind of support her. How? How did he die? Was he shot? Was he? Who would want to hurt the doctor? He's a sweet old guy. Well, uh, I mean, we we just got here ourselves. Just got in, so we're trying to find out what we can right now. Oh, that's uh, awful. Somebody wasn't. He wasn't shot or anything like that. It, it looks like he froze to death. Miss Rain, that's, that's oddly specific. Why do you think the doctor might have been shot? Well, I don't know. How does somebody die? Did he have a heart attack? Well, you could say it was stopped cold. You said he was frozen. Yeah, but why would it be frozen? The window was open. On a night like last night? No. Why would he have the window open? Yes, it's all very shocking, Miss Swain. Professor Stamp, maybe you should... <sighs> Take her into the next room and see if you can talk to her. Maybe keep her calm. Yeah. There is a phone in both rooms, by the way. Yeah, I figured, are they operable? Or are they frozen? Mm, we'll have to find out. <laughs> <laughs> kind of don't think I want, like, we don't want to alert the police yet, so. The one, the one in, in Dr. Harrod's office has a coating of ice on it and Ryan, right. but, uh the well, the other room is, isn't as badly frozen, right? Right, it's cold. That's his there. office. Yeah, okay. It looks like it. It every everything seems to have originated from his office. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely as take her into as, the next room. As soon as the professor takes her into the next room, I'm going to go out, go upstairs, okay. find a room directly over this one. Okay. And look out the window and see if I can get an aerial view of anything like tracks or depressions or anything like that. All right. You go upstairs and there's the first door on uh, the left. Um, you open it up. It's obviously the doctor's suite. Um, 
there's his bedroom. Uh, there's like a little, oh, I don't know what you call it, a little study and a, and a bathroom on the other side. And um, it's cold. It's cold up here as well. Uh, there's no frost on anything, though. And uh, you look out the window, and uh, you get a good glimpse of uh, outside as well as the neighboring houses. And you can see that this big drift of snow, which, uh, which seems to have left an area near the, the, the bottom window uh, for, for some sort of access, the rest of the house seems to have been blasted also from the outside uh, on this side. Uh, there are big drifts of snow. But on the neighboring house, there's, there's what you would call a regular amount of snow, you know, a foot. So down. there's no kind of point of origin of this so-called blast. There's no footprints. There's no... There's, there's no indication that anybody was there except that everything seems to have gone through that window. Uh, something blasted through that window. And the window was opened. It wasn't broken. The downstairs window. Yes. And it was a casement, so you, you raised it. You made a correct you had motion of going yeah. straight up and down, not a it didn't fly open on a hit. Right. Right. Was the doctor facing the window or his desk? Yes. He was frozen facing the window, yes. Okay, sorry, I missed that. So he got up and opened the window. And they got blasted. So maybe someone was calling them from outside or he spotted something interesting he wanted to look at. But it's so cold out, why would he have opened the window? Unless there was something he was trying to talk to or communicate with. I'll come in from the next room over. Okay. And say, well, if he... Uh, if he was sitting at the desk when he was frozen, I mean, why would he get up, walk over to the window, open it, go back, sit down at his desk, and then whatever happened? Wouldn't it make more sense that the window was opened either, you know, right before or after he was killed by yes. someone else? Uh, what was, um, uh, <coughs> was his hand flat out or like pointing towards the the window his hands kind of kind of a, he was, as if he was stopped trying to stop yeah and then the fingertips are frozen and then there's bits of rind ice that are okay you know what you don't all know what rind ice is. i keep saying it yeah icicles that form when when it's windy <laughs> Around, around the window, is there anything out of the ordinary around the edge of the window? It's frost. But near, yeah. okay. And more of the rhine ice. Mm -hmm. The window, the glasses are disturbed, and if it's cracked or broken. Doesn't seem to be. I'd like to go talk to the neighbors, see if they, they saw anything. I mean, it's a faint chance, but if anybody saw anything, it would be the house on that side. Yeah, I would like to search his upstairs room more, do a first search, see if he's got any hints. Has he got any kind of a kitchen here attached to his office? Yes. It's, it's upstairs. It's, it's not 
not downstairs. Mrs. Swain, why don't you see if you can fix us up some tea or coffee? Maybe both. Dear God, I'll uh, I'll I'll make some coffee. Uh, what wh- wh- we need to call the police? Yeah, yeah. Don't call worry. Uh, yes, we do. Steve and I are practically law enforcement. We'll we'll make sure it gets taken care of. <laughs> practically. <laughs> so, Doctor Burke, are you going to go walk next door? Yes. Okay. Uh, as you walk next door, uh, it's it's once again a, a very similar house to uh, to Doctor Harrod's. Um, there is a uh, there is a sign on the door. Uh, that says uh, Paul Cantell. Uh, uh, the word goes out of my head. Uh, antiques and what do you call the guy who sells things for you? Oh, you know, auctioneer? A consignment? No, a consignment. Consignment. Yeah. Consignment, yeah. Um, uh, and of course, that house is not nearly as there's there's a little bit of snow. But that's all. Um, you knock on the door, and after a few moments, a gentleman looks like he's maybe in his mid thirties answers the door. Uh, he's in a suit. Uh, yes, can I can I help you with something? Hello, I'm Doctor Burke. I'm a colleague of uh, Doctor Harrod's next door. Oh, there's uh, there's been a, a an odd occurrence over there, um, a break in among other things. Did you happen to see anything last night during the storm? Did you see anybody around? Uh, I didn't see anyone. Uh, of course, I was, you know, nestled in my in my study with the fireplace going, and hmm. uh, the the wind was was quite extreme. Uh, Did you hear anything unusual? Well, it it howled like uh, demons around my house. The way. Uh, I, I thought it was a terrible storm, hmm. but uh, I was, haven't heard it howl like that for a long time. For a long time, you've heard it before. Oh, you know, occasionally the this, the the big storm comes in, but uh, but this was quite quite strong. Hmm. But anybody else in the house with you who might have seen something? Would you be able to ask them for us? Or no, I, I live here by a my cook, house. or yeah. Hmm. Do you uh, mind if I look in your in your backyard to see if there are any footprints or tracks? Well, sure. You'll have to wade through the snow. Mm. Of course. What's okay. through? Please. It, if you don't mind. What, what happened? Is, you said there was a break-in. Is the doctor all right? No, he isn't. He's, he's dead. Oh, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, have you phoned the police? Do you want me to phone them? Uh, there's uh, some detectives over there who are taking care of that. I see. How horrible. Do they know who did it? Not a chance. No. Um, apparently, whoever it was, he let them in. He opened the, he opened the door or appeared to have opened the door. Oh, That's why we're checking to see if anybody saw anybody. Oh, my. No, I didn't see anyone. Um, you step out onto the back porch and he says, well, as you can see, I, it's a smooth, solid blanket of snow. Mm-hmm. But then, if there was any an intruder, the snow would have probably covered up his uh, his tracks. But there should be gulfs if somebody had moved through something. 
like, see anything like that. You don't see anything like that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, here's my card. If, if you think of anything, uh, do give us a call. Certainly. And he lets you go. No, I want to keep looking through th his office there. I mean, I'm not sure what I'm looking for, uh, but something that is not, um, obviously directly i mean something more s snow or s weird science or something that i'm right. working up on other than well this guy one thing that happens to you in the process is uh as you approach the uh the edison machine um and the shelf with all of the little uh wax cylinders on it uh you reach up to get the wax cylinder that you're pretty sure it's the one that the doctor played for you because it's got a little label on it. And uh, all, all it takes is just the slightest pressure and it crumbles. <laughs> it's, it's, it's wax and it's frozen. So it, it crumbles just into little pieces. So you're pretty sure it would happen to anything that you touched on the shelf. Okay. Um, are there, are there like filing cabinets? There are. Um, I'm going to look for the Sutton case file. All right. Um, it's a little difficult to open them. They're, they're frozen, but, uh, uh, the files inside are, are fairly. I get out a hairdryer. I'm just kidding. 1927. You pull it out of time. Uh, time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Toss it back. Um, you what about this. some boiling water? Mrs. Swain's making coffee. Well, I assume I can files, of course. No, but um, cabinet, perhaps. And maybe there wood, and not. I mean, I can. I mean, how hard is it to open? Do is no, it just you, takes you, some extra? Just, everything takes some extra effort. Effort, yeah. Um, once it's open, it's it's pretty much back to normal. Um, you find Sutton's file. And uh, it's uh, if you sit and read it for 15 minutes, you realize there's nothing in here that's new, just, just more notes from the doctor about the weird dreams that he's having that seem to be centered around the cold and the possible, the possibility that maybe his brother was sleeping with his wife. But you don't see... You don't see anything in there that would indicate any opportunity such as that. Um, the only incident that's referred to is that uh, a number of months ago, uh, I think July, uh, he and his wife went to visit his brother up north in, in Maine at the hunting lodge. On his desk, you said the, the papers were kind of like encased in ice. Mm -hmm. uh, is, is it some like you know, like when sometimes if you flash freeze water, right, it might might remain clear. It doesn't get cloudy. Is it is it clear enough to make out what the documents say? Yeah, it looks like he was just doing his accounting. Okay, that's the only thing that he had open at the moment. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm doing a thorough search upstairs, above the room. Uh, you go through his room, um, and his and his study. Uh, that's going to take you 
let's say 20 or 30 minutes and you find nothing of any interest, just he's a doctor. Mm. He doesn't seem to collect weird, weird esoterica or bizarre uh, things. Uh, he seems like he was very meticulous and uh, uh, careful or organized person. And we've yeah, already sure. and we've already determined that uh, the papers on the desk were primarily financial. Yeah. Um, are there any uh, notebooks or uh, either on or in the desk close to him that um, are of a more personal jottings, maybe not, you know, random thoughts he's keeping track of sort of thing or a journal or something like that? Well, there are drawers to either side of him and there's a central drawer. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any way of opening the central drawer without encountering the doctor. You can get it open a little bit, but he's yeah. kind of like right there. Yeah. Um, on the, either side, you do find notebooks. Uh, and in every case, they're referring to other patients that he has. You don't see anything in particular about this. Put a, put a sheet down on the floor and, and move the doctor. Lay Before him on the ground. call the cops? Even if the cops come, we can pass that off as we were trying to render aid. Oh, hold on. The, oh, that might work. But again, these are the and, same cops that are more likely than not going to assume he left the window open. But since the front door was open as well, I don't necessarily trust that they want to decide that we're suddenly people of interest. The front well, door wasn't open when we got here. The, house, the housekeeper told us to come in. And you, and you did have to force open the door. Yeah. yeah, we had permission from her. Okay, good point. I think we we should chat. Yeah, I mean, other than that, obviously, our, our next step is heading north to see what's going on to follow the trail. But I think we should see what's in the dress, uh, dresser drawer and see if there's anything in his pockets. Okay. Yeah, at this point, I have my down and regrouped with you guys. Okay. The what? I've regrouped with you. Yeah. yeah. All right. So you're in it's the safe office. for us if we have gloves to move him, right? We won't burn our hands. Yeah, don't. Um, so you're going to get some sort of a sheet. Um, let's say there is a blanket in, uh, in the central room on, on a, a couch and you're going to lay that on the floor. Hmm. All right. Um, describe for me how you're going to move him. I presume the chair he was sitting on is on casters. Okay. Yeah, well, I can say that. So try pulling him back from the desk. Okay. Um, you managed to pull him away from the desk. Um, but he is stiff, stiff as a, as a stiff can be. Legs bent or straight? Legs are bent. Uh, he's literally in a, a sitting position with his hands like this. Can we lift him from the chair? Can two of us lift him from the chair? Well, if we've pulled him back somewhat, we might be just be able to open the drawer now. Yes. All right. 
but but the thing is, if you're worried about what someone's going to say, we should set it up to look like we were rendering aid as opposed to we wanted to look in the drawer. It's fine. <laughs> I I don't know how big this guy is, and we can move him. But frozen, I'm guessing he's going to be. He's he's a fairly awkward fit. and heavy. He's it a could be more embarrassing if we snap off a limb. Yeah. At least you're trying to help. Well, he's. I mean, it's sort of like pulling him away, slide him to the side and say, well, we really want to see what was in the drawer. That's going to lead uh, the police to think we're robbers as opposed to... You could always put him back. <laughs> yeah. All right, so what is it? <laughs> I, I'd like to move him to the floor. To the yeah, I'll, I'll assist you. All right, so, so Ricky and Jonathan, uh, Ricky Rand and Dr. Jonathan Burke are going to get on either side of him and try and lift him out of the chair. Uh, uh, Carol, uh, Steve Carroll is going to try and get into the drawer once they've got him out of the way. All right, Ricky and uh, Dr. Burke do strength rolls. Uh, 24 out of 50. A hard, hard success. Yeah, I got a hard as well. So you managed to loop an arm uh, underneath his arms, which are out like this, near his armpits, and uh, lift him upwards, and perhaps slip an arm underneath his thigh to to keep him steady, and you're able to move him over uh, onto the uh, over over to the blanket. Um, and attempt to lay him down. Both of you do luck rolls. Eighty-seven. Nope. Fail. Uh, you sort of rock him back to lay him down, and as you do, he cracks in half at the torso. <laughs> and rolls to the side. You guys can do sanity rolls. And those of you watching, you can do sanity rolls. Yeah, I, I got a hundred. I knew I should have left the damn You got a hundred? Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, so did I. You both got I've seen this guy. And I've seen this before. <laughs> that means we lose max, right? I got 88. I think if you... Uh... Those of you who got 100, you get four points of damage automatically. Uh, if, you, if, if you fail, of oh, sanity, sorry, you take four, four, four points of sanity. Those of you who uh, failed normally, you can roll a 1d4. And those of you who succeeded, you don't do anything. Um, so his, his top half rolled this way, his bottom half rolled that way. Uh, he split in the middle. And Dr. I turned into the hallway and start throwing up. Okay, you did. You did a constitution roll. That's that's cool. If if you want to, anyway. I throw up. I throw up as well. Doctor Burke, uh, in a sort of fascinating glance at him, you can see that he is frozen solid all the way through. His blood, his intestines, his organs are literally solid physically that doesn't seem possible 
it would, I mean, his outside could be frozen, but to free somebody all the way to the core, that would take weeks at that freezing temperature. And this was done within seconds, minutes. Well, it must have been fast because he didn't even sit up. I mean, stand up, right? If he was holding right. his hands out against whatever, it was happening very quickly. And I mean, you know, you don't you don't freeze a side of beef in seconds. No. There's there's two things that we, unless I'm hearing it wrong, he was sitting at his desk doing his finances. Right. Something happened outside the window and he got up and he opened the window. Then he came back and sat down at the desk and whoever came through the window did something for him to do that and froze him. <laughs> that doesn't, that, that means you're dealing with something, someone, mm. something like stop. Don't, well, he definitely saw something. But he uh, went over the window you. first, which no, no, no. implies we, that we whatever know, was outside. We don't know that he opened the window. That's what you said, is it was opened from the inside. No. It, I mean, it was opened. There was no... We, we didn't say anything about who opened it because it was up. It was, it's the kind that slides up and down. That's all I meant when I was talking about the mechanics of the window. So it didn't blow open. It was. It would have had to have been lifted up. But you could do that from either side. Correct. Again, though, <laughs> windows closed. You're sitting there doing your accounts. the The window goes up. You wouldn't get out of the chair. You wouldn't go around to it. Maybe he didn't have time, or maybe whoever did this to him. Maybe they. Uh... Maybe they exited through the window afterwards. True. Okay. Yeah, maybe they came through the front door. Sorry, I don't know. But I, I'm, I'm still not sure of how someone has a, like, uh, a Weird Tales machine that can freeze, freeze somebody like that. I think the one thing we can agree on is that it happened incredibly fast. Yeah, it doesn't, make any, doesn't make any damn sense, but there's some weird shit, man. What the hell? I think the answers are to the north. We need to finish up here and head up there. I don't know. Something happened here last night. If our, uh, which is a little different kind of a perp uh, compared to uh, or you know brother running off with his brother's woman up north, which is what we had from the musician. You but know, that's, that's they what, left some, some time ago. That's what the doctor has asked us to investigate is what's up north. Um, we, we, don't have, we don't have anything to follow up with here. Well, I mean, we, we could we gotta call the, we gotta call the, the guy who hired me uh, is dead. I'm not sure I'm getting paid in this job at all. I'll and, pay you. 
Yeah, but I've got to be honest. Like, if this guy is dead, I, my job is to make sure now anyway, to make sure Marilyn is safe. So i got to find a summary shape for him. Doc, um, so your job was to deliver a letter. And to make sure she's safe, basically. Yeah. We still got the weirdness with the bed and that cloth and all of that stuff as well. And that's all up there. I can't help but think that this, this weird event has to in some way be connected. Well, I mean, you're talking about weird machines and stuff and, and that science fiction drivel, but he'd mentioned in his, his dreams the, uh, in the recordings. The cold. He felt, yeah, the cold was an, a malevolent being. He saw demons in the snow. And the next door neighbor talked about hearing howling. Maybe we're dealing with something. Um, Wait, so are you saying there could be some kind of monster or something? Well, not necessarily. In my father's research, he's visited tribes and, and seen things where people have been able to raise their body temperatures to almost fever, lower their body temperatures to below freezing. I mean, this is a really extreme version of that, but there could be some perfectly natural explanation still as well. What the, you, uh, what have I got? God damn! What have I got myself into, man? Welcome to our days. I usually just sit behind a desk or deliver letters, apparently. I've seen frozen people. I mean, we've got a very limited amount of time before we call the police. Yeah. No, understood. But so I mean, we need to wrap up really quickly and let them take over this investigation we can yeah, stay in touch with them so just ring him we need to ring and doctor you you saw in the backyard uh no like focal point of all this cold and snow right i mean it just Nothing. sort of i go to the other room and pick up the phone all right yeah. Uh, no, it's time. Only the, the neighbor mentioned that it sounded like the wind was howling. He didn't subscribe it to a creature. He just said it sounded like it was howling. Steve. Well, and as I recall that, sorry. Yep. Um, do an idea roll for me. What's an idea roll? Uh, out of 70. So that would be a regular success. It's, it's the same as intelligence. Intelligence? Okay. That, that's for Steve. Oh, sorry. Um, I'm sorry, you got a regular? Yeah. Um, in your mind, you're thinking, well, uh, do any of you even know how refrigeration actually works? It's not common knowledge. It's kind of a specialized field. Refrigerators have only been around a little while. Uh, they were ice boxes before that. Conceivably, maybe they could make some sort of a machine that could uh, freeze somebody. Uh, but such a machine would be probably pretty easily traceable. Because you're talking about big equipment of some sort. And somebody would see it being brought in. Well, but somebody like at a library or a university engineering department might know how small or how powerful 
or whether there is technology that could freeze a man solid, solid. This my, my, medical, uh, my medical knowledge says that to do that would take a very, very long time. Um, I've seen lots of bodies. I've been in lots of murder investigations. I've never seen anything like this. So it's possible that someone somewhere is investigating that, but I think it's a waste of time for what we're looking for. Uh, Dr. Burke, do a sci- um, do you have uh, what science do you have there? Um, I have whatever you would give me with biology as a fact that I'm medicine. Hmm. Got it. I'm I'm just going to say general, uh, just in general intelligence. Um, the one down, I just made it like the hard, the good success. All right. Um, liquid nitrogen has been around since the late 1800s. Uh, it's actually, it's actually fairly easy to produce, but that is the coldest substance that you know of. And that would still take a period of time for it to do, to freeze him all the way through the way he is. Yeah. Well, it would have to be injected into him in some way. And a large truck to come to. That's what I mean. Yeah. But now whether your characters would understand that or not. Well, that's the question. I mean, uh, you know, we are all good uh, Victorian men here. Um, and so science and technology have been advancing a great deal in the last 20 years. I mean, there was no such thing as a refrigerator 20 years ago. There were just ice boxes. So I'm just wondering how small and how much capability um, uh, there might be around for this sort of thing. Cause I mean, quite frankly, it didn't just freeze him at somewhat close range, right? It managed to put drifts around this house that aren't anywhere else in the neighborhood. So it does seem strangely focused. I don't want to get into a conversation with a couple of things. Um, as, As a medical doctor, we keep bodies cold. We've done autopsies. I've been involved with the FBI doing that. If, if there was something being developed along those lines, I would at least have heard about it. I may not be interested in reading about it. I may not be interested in researching it, but I would have heard about it. I don't want to end up trying to explain to small town police that we think that somebody is running around with a supercharged weapon out of the Saturday morning cereals, freezing people at their desks, because we're all going to end up on my eighth floor uh, with some really good medication. (laughs) You know, I think we should call the police, say we tried to render aid. Here's the situation. Do you need anything else? We have things to do. In the meantime, and, I called the police like three minutes ago. Yeah, great. One thing I just want to say is, so... Look in the desk well before they get here. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys 
You guys are on about some kind of recording. What, what was said in that recording? Uh, it, so it was a recording of a, of a therapy session. Uh, the dead doctor here was a psychologist, uh, an alienist, and uh, the dead Sutton brother was uh, his patient. And they were describing some nightmares that uh, the Sutton man had that included kind of nightmarish figures in the snow and cold. So, be right back. to be honest, what what links this is it's all to do with Joseph Sutton, really. So we should really just like I'm hoping Stan just called the police. We just need to head head to the cabin, get it from there, because clearly the the doctor was only killed because of Joseph Sutton. From what I'm picking up, I'm not. I'm not like a detective like you guys have basic stuff in there, but it's clearly to do with the sudden in some way, shape or form. I think that, and, I think that whatever we decide to do, even Arkham police are not going to be that slow. When we tell them we've found a body, we probably should make sure we have a, a straight story to tell them a consistent one uh, that'll also help expedite us getting out of here as quickly as possible. Well, well I check we with investigating a former, we were investigating and had a prearranged uh, meeting with him that we were coming to today. Uh, you know, Steve, um, I absolutely remember that meeting. Right? And uh, you can hear distant sirens. I quickly check the draw if that wasn't already checked. Um, yeah. You pull it open and there are, there's a number of, there's stationary, there are pens and pencils, um, various things that you'd expect. Uh, there is, uh, uh, there is uh, a couple of uh, notepads uh, that are uh, blank, but nothing in particular. It looks also like there's a set of keys. Is there any tags on the keys at all? Anything specifically? They probably are house keys, and yeah. they don't look uh, cabinety. No. Why do I get all the pointless things? A pointless letter and a pointless drawer. What the? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, close up the desk before the cops walk in. All right. Before you do that, I think we should hold on to the keys. Um. You cops are on their way. You're going to steal his keys? I don't think they're going to notice the dead man's keys are missing. Also, just wondering if we should ask the, uh, the maid if there are any other rooms in the house that were maybe off limits or that she never really goes into. Um, I know the cops are coming, but maybe. Well, well, I checked the upstairs room and there was literally nothing of importance up there. If there's any other rooms, I don't know. Steve, is my professional paranoia just getting to me? John. <laughs> <laughs> I'll forget what our real names are. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Um, a couple of points of clarity. She's the secretary. She's not a maid. Um, yeah, but, so I uh, 
Um, we'll say that uh, just a cursory of the entire setup. Uh, it's just just a bedroom. Just a, there's maybe a little study upstairs with some books. Um, but after five minutes of looking through it, there's there's nothing unusual at all. It's exactly what you'd expect to see from a psychologist. There is a basement with old furniture and stuff in it. Um, but once again, nothing at all of any interest. And by that time, the police have pulled up front. Um, I go outside to wave them in to, this is where they're looking for. Ah, Carol. Hey. What's, what's going on here? You are uh, not going to believe this one. Some professor called us and said there's been a, 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 a homicide and a, a, a death. Yes. Poor Dr. Hammond, uh, Herod, uh, froze to death last night, but it's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. Well, show us what's going on. Come on you in. Have a weak, you have a weak stomach. Watch your step. Um, your you're going to get all of the, you're going to get all of the standard questions. We'll just assume that the police, um, he wants to know who you all are, why you're all there, et cetera. Uh, he talks to the secretary. She says that she called them, that, that she called you, and that you dug, dug yourselves into the house and found it this way. And that she left last night around six, and everything was hunky-dory. And sometime in the middle of between 6 p.m. and 6 a.m., this horrible thing <laughs> The police are going to investigate. They're going to bring in some other detectives and go over everything. Uh, and they are as flabbergasted as you are. Um, one cop less so. He's like, well, this is Occam. He says one weird thing after another here. He says, Have uh, you ever seen anything like this? Nothing, nothing like this, but... Uh, you know, I've heard stories of weird things going on in Occam with uh, things dancing around in the cemetery and living under people's houses. And now we got people any, to death. Any and, weird calls from last night that you made at all? No, no it was a blizzard going on. It was uh, nobody was out. Good God. Okay. All right. So uh, we'll assume you are all in front of the house getting ready to leave. Where are you going to go? Well, I guess we're going to get ready. Uh, we'll say by now it's about 10 a.m. because they detained you and they wanted to talk. And they... Well, I don't think it's going to take that long to assemble some gear. We might also want some food for the road and get going. If we are, in fact, just hightailing it out of town. Yeah, it's 10. Is it the, do we know what the forecast is like or is this blizzard still going strong? No, it's, it seems to have, the weather seems to have uh, lightened up. There's possible little flurries of snow. Uh, it is dead of winter, the worst, worst winter on record. Um, so there are snow drifts. Uh, the roads are going to be somewhat treacherous, especially going up towards Maine where it's, even colder and snowier. Um, it's your option. I'm with caution. It's yeah, going to be about 255 miles. 
through your option of taking a train to get as close as possible. And maybe you can hire out a car big enough to hold us all and our gear. There are trains going to Bangor. Well, we sort of debated this last time as, as far as uh, to, to how available a car is going to be in Bangor to get 30 miles north of there versus just driving up. I'm willing to drive up because I like to be able to get into a problem. as I like to be able to get out of a problem as fast as I get into it. Well, the quicker we get there, the better. So whatever way you guys think is... Good enough. I'll go in the car. We can go by train, whatever. Well, but I just want to get the. All of us in the car, all of our gear, packing some extra gas and shovels. I think that we'll be heavy enough to not fly off the road. And there's enough of us to dig our way out of any problems we should get to on the way up. Yep. All right. So we'll say that by 11 o'clock, you have gotten together all of your stuff. You've packed some sandwiches from the diner. Uh, you've you've got some thermoses of coffee. I assume we had thermoses. Um, and you get on your way. Right. The road uh, up to Bangor is quite treacherous. Once you leave Arkham, uh, you head up towards uh, Newberry, Newburyport. Um, and then uh, you cross over. Uh, into uh, New Maine. Hampshire. I'm sorry? New Hampshire. Yeah, you're in New Hampshire for a little bit of the road, and then you go into Maine. Now, who's driving? I am. Dr. Burke, you are driving 50 miles down. Uh, do a drive roll and a luck roll. Uh, well, I just would have normal drive experience. I'm not a Uh, did make the drive roll, but made the luck roll. Did you make both? I'm sorry, did you say? No, I didn't make the drive roll. I made the luck roll. All right. All right, so you're on the road, and uh, the wind starts to pick up. And you can feel, uh, feel the drag of the car uh, getting pushed towards one side as the winds uh, increase. Um, do another drive roll. Nope. Okay. Uh, there's a moment when a large gust of wind uh, slams against the side of the car, and despite you're your getting some fairly good traction, the car begins to slide to the side, and with a big uh, thud, uh, your your wheels go off the road and you land in a ditch uh, in the in the, in a snowdrift. So that takes some of the uh, impact, but uh, everybody do dexterity. Ah. Oh my god! Why am I so unlucky? I got a ninety nine. <laughs> uh, if you failed one d three, hit points of damage. Free. Ouch. Okay, you bang your head. What is it with me and banging my head? I think he banged his head into me. Ah. I took three as well. Fuck. You're a lawyer. Fortunately, you uh. hit an unused spot. 
<laughs> so you're you're dazed and you're stuck. So. Oh, shit. Is, uh, is everyone okay? I knew we should have taken the fucking train. You should have <laughs> let me drive, look. You should have let me drive, man. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty pretty banged up on that one. Uh, Everybody out, let's push the car back onto the road. Yep. I'm going to need a minute. There's whiskey in the glove compartment. Cool. And as you are standing there, you can hear the wind howling through the trees and making a uh, an almost whispering sound in the air. Uh, there's snow everywhere. Uh, you're also quite a ways from the nearest town. Um, it's very cold. Uh, I would like you. Who's who's going to work on the car? Trying to get it out. Oh, I will eventually. Yeah. Uh, when about a minute, I'll. I'll He's help. probably going to take all of us. I've got to. All right. Um, we'll say everybody do luck rolls. Uh, a two. I got two. Nope. Nice. Failed. Zero six. All right. That's got some good rolls. I failed. I got a seventy-eight. Yeah, I got a four. All right. Still, it takes you about an entire hour to uh, dig out the back end of the car, to, uh, to get your leverage, to push the car out, to assess any damage that may have occurred on the front. And you can see that your, your bumper is, is a little damaged, but there's no, no, no chassis damage. Um, you managed to get the car back onto the road and get it started, even though it's very chilly. And... I assume you all pile back into the car and mm-hmm. start on the road again. Uh, Buck, do you want me to drive? If you think you're a better driver, you're welcome to. Yeah, I'm a pretty good driver. Ricky, no offense. I'm sure you're a terrific driver, but I literally trust Steve with my life when it comes to driving. I really <laughs> let him do, do the driving. It's up to Steve. I, I'm, I'm a good driver. I'd happily do it, but you're a better than fifty percent driver. Kind of scale of uh, yes, I, I, I have sixty. To talk about sixty. Yeah, Technically you okay, can't. You drive that. Oh, it's hard. World. That's okay. You can just say, "Are you a really good driver?" <laughs> I toss my keys to Steve. <laughs> No, um, and, I, and I hand them over to Ricky. Yes. Because you all want to blame the lawyer of something. Good. I, don't, I, I don't want to blame the lawyer. I don't care who drives as long as it's not me or Dr. Burke. <laughs> all right. I got this. Don't worry. And perhaps now as you're driving, you're all holding on to the car. Like <laughs> um, at the po- you, you, you start back on the road at 1 o'clock p.m. All right, 50 miles. So you're now 100 miles into your 255 mile trip. Um, Ricky, 
do a drive roll and a luck roll. Uh, okay, 51 on the drive, which is a pass, and a 36 on the luck, which is a pass. Okay. There are a couple moments in there when the car slides around and uh, you're afraid that there's going to be something blocking the road, but in fact, there's nothing. Um, I told you. Uh, another 50 miles and another hour. So we're now at uh, two, uh, three o'clock, because that was two o'clock. So we're now at three o'clock. Um, so you're 150 miles into it. Uh, once again, drive roll. Luck. Come on, dust. 60 on the drive. And 50 on the luck, which is dead on both. All right, so uh, same thing, a few, uh, a few minor mishaps, but nothing that uh, knocks you off the road. So it is now four o'clock and it is your 200 miles into the road. Into the thing. Uh, it's starting to get pretty dark. Yeah, we yeah, should four o'clock again or something. A motel. I think, uh, given the treacherous uh, conditions we've come across so far, Steve's got the right idea. Yeah, we definitely need a place to sleep for the night. Are, are we uh, near anywhere? You are near a little town called Belfast, which is oh. right on the coast. Um, after Belfast, then you've got Bangor, but that's another 55 miles. I think we should push on through. Uh, drive it after dark. Not dark yet. It's only four o'clock. Yeah, it's gonna be dark in like half an hour. Um, I think oh, Belfast. I don't know. What, what time does it get dark on the east coast? Of... East oh. coast, Maine, uh, in the dead of winter, February. It gets dark pretty early. Five o'clock. Five. It starts to get dark. It gets dark over here about three thirty-four. So by five, it would be nightfall. I mean, it would be pitch black. Yeah. Plus, you're in a forest on on both sides, so it makes it even darker. Yeah, we need to we need to hole up in Belfast for the night. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I need some rest, man. If I'm gonna keep driving for you guys, what what state is this now? You're in Maine. Oh, we're in Maine now. Okay. My head state is still of confusion. Cut the, the combination of uh, banging my head off of Ricky's and. Uh, and then that whiskey afterwards. It's not doing <laughs> ah, Hit my head twice now. What the hell is with that? I could use a decent night's sleep. Uh, I don't know how much damage Dr. Burke took, but uh, I feel a little rattled. Not to mention my frozen finger. How is your finger? It's fine. But, it, you know... Was a little bit of a burn there. We we applaud your ethic, Doctor Burke, but I, I think we all need to rest. Okay. Yeah. Right. Anybody we need should... any first aid attention? I didn't ask before. I should be okay. Not unless you can unring the bell that is my head. So you pull into the little town of Belfast. It's small. Uh, there's not much to it. Uh, the first place that you see that looks like an inn 
is uh, is uh, labeled the uh, Ponancet Inn. Perfect. Looks like a little uh, a wooden structure, not too fancy, probably for travelers who get stuck. Native dialect for your fuck. What did you say it's called? The Ponancet? Ponancet Inn. Can you spell that for me? Uh, P A W N A N C E T T E. I think so. Yeah. Ponancet. Got it. All right. And, uh, if, Doc, if you're handing out uh, medical treatment, I, I certainly wouldn't mind if you got some some pills and some something, you know, for this. Uh... Yeah, if you got can a pillow, give... you got some pills. Yeah, I guess it's the first aid, aspirin and stuff. Can I do that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you would have that sort of stuff. Uh, you can just do a first aid lot, roll. All right. I probably yep. wouldn't. I wouldn't even make your roll for that if you've got yeah. both. Both both hard hard successes. All right, so you pull up in the front. Uh, looks like they Do they get any points back? Do they? Oh, they yeah, first it's good for one. One yeah. point. <laughs> um, as you pull up, you can see that there are lights in the windows. Uh, there is smoke coming out of the chimney. Uh, as you, it, it, it seems even on the outside when you're looking at it, you can see that it looks nice and warm. Yeah. Uh, Woohoo! Uh, and there's a little, very little reception area uh, with a sort of a lounge pub on the uh, right hand side. Uh, and the, uh, there's a man behind the counter. Uh, he looks like. He's got an American, uh, a Native American cap. <coughs> so he's got black, straight black hair, <coughs> no facial hair. And uh, he looks up and he says, uh, gentlemen, uh, do you need a room? Lord's one, room. hopefully. <laughs> need rooms, yeah. He says, come on in, uh, get out of the cold. Uh, welcome to the uh, Bonanset Inn. Uh, my name is George Quill. Well, Mr. Quill, the warmth is welcome. Good to get out. Where are you folks oh. coming from? Arkham. We're on our way up to uh, Bangor. On our way up to Bangor, but uh, figure uh. that uh, I'm sure we're not the first people who uh, had to stop by at your place on the way up there. Yeah, it's a long trip. You should have you should have started sooner. Um, Our morning was a little complicated. A little complicated. All right. I've 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 actually only got three rooms, but uh, the beds are big. So if you want to share. Sure. All right. Wouldn't be the first time Leo and I have had to <clears throat> share a bed. Yeah. Let's take out. Our, uh, our roadster is bigger than, uh, or smaller than most uh, people's single beds. So I <laughs> This will be uh, uh, spacious by comparison. All right. But that was a fun case. But that's so, so Leo and Steve are going to be in room one. Um, who wants to be in room two? I'll take room two. All right. 
Looks like me and Stamper. <laughs> Professor Actually, Stamper. I'm gonna I'm gonna room with Burke. I think. Uh, <laughs> Burke. Burke. <laughs> Professional courtesy, Mr. Me and me and my whiskey are in room two. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 the the dirty lawyer is in three. <laughs> I got my own room. <laughs> So you didn't just take rooms one, two, and three and make the dirty lawyer stay. <laughs> <laughs> so while we're while they're sorting out the keys and, and payment and stuff, um, uh, I asked Mr. Quill if you know, kind of, sort of around the way first, if he's seen the the couple that we're looking for. Um, I see a lot of couples, a lot of people. Um, you know, Stewart and. Uh, uh, Mrs. Mrs. Mel Marilyn. Marilyn. If he remembers anyone kind of coming through like us, kind of in a in a hurry, or or you know, a pregnant woman with a with a man. Um, he says, "Well, let's see. I I let me check the books. Uh, when would they have come through? <laughs> um, Mid January, ish. Oh, wow." He he flips the book around. And he says, "You're welcome to look." Oh, that's that's awesome of you. They're actually they're family friends. We're actually on the way up to visit them at their cabin in Bangor, and we just want to see how far behind we are. Um, so, uh, you look through the book. yeah, Leo, why don't you do a spot hidden? You want to get uh, sixty-eight, and what's your what's your uh, spot hidden? Ah, uh, so you failed. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. You don't see any name. There's all different handwritings. Everybody's signed in with a different name, uh, different scribbles. You you can't seem to find anything. Um, I'm still a little banged up from the ride, Steve. Maybe uh, you want to take a look at this. Sure. All right, Steve, do a spot hidden. Uh, and that would be a 38 out of 75. So one off of a hard. All right. Uh, you're looking through it, and you go systematically from the beginning of January to the end of January. And you don't see anybody registered as the name Sutton. Um, Any funny S's? Sorry. Oh, you're going to look for the funny S. Um, we'll say that you were looking for that anyway. Uh, you don't find it. Okay, then I'll... Because uh, the funeral was at the end of December. Like the 27th, so... It seems, uh, and he doesn't... Uh, um, George doesn't remember any uh, pregnant woman. Okay. Uh, I'm still going to check the first couple, last couple days of December and the first few of February. Okay. You don't find anything. Okay. Um, you're welcome to join, you know, we've got food, we've got soup. Uh, we don't serve alcohol. It's prohibition. Of course, of course. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's fine. I do, and I have my own prescription if you'd like some, Mr. Quill. <laughs> no, thank you, sir. Um, the, the inn is decorated. Uh, 
rather warmy. There's a lot of uh, American Indian sort of memorabilia. There's uh, um, there's a couple of uh, animal heads on the walls. Um, I'm totally what you'd expect from an inn. I'd be checking out all that stuff. Yeah, it's just that was... warm, that warm, homey, lodgy feeling that you'd expect uh, in a place like this. Cultural anthropology was my specialty, and I uh, took particular interest in the Native Americans. So, do you have a do you have a Native American uh, role or something like that? Anthropology would work. I, I I never put anything specific down there. I have a seventy five in anthropology. Yeah. Why don't you roll that? Yeah. I didn't write down a specialty or anything like that. Yeah. It was in my backstory, and I still failed. <laughs> really? Okay. I did. Yeah, I rolled an eighty seven. And Leo is... You, you all understand how, how luck rolls, that you can use luck. Yeah, is it I'm, worth it? Uh, yeah. 12 points of luck. You will get back 1d10 luck. Uh, well, you have to do it like a skill roll. So at the beginning of every day, every time you wake up oh, in the game... Do, do we do that? Okay. Right. Every, every time you wake up in the game, you roll luck. And if you fail, then you can roll a 1d10 and add that to your luck. Gotcha, okay. Yeah, what the hell, I'll give it a shot. That's for all of you. All right. I got a 75, Tom. <laughs> all right. Uh, as you're looking around, it's, it's obvious that almost everything here uh, is Algonquin. Uh, it's, uh, it's the Native American tribes that are here. Uh, in particular, Ojiwa uh, tribes. Um, there are a couple of uh, Native American masks that you can identify as, you know, some of their deities. Uh, the Algonquins believe in uh, uh, spirits inhabiting everything. Every uh, even events are inhabited by spirits, and um, you can just see evidence that 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 the owner is probably, well, almost definitely an Algonquin, as would be most of the American Indians in this area. It's a nation, Algonquin nation. So, you know, we've, we've seen enough weirdness, I think, in the last 24 hours or so that the, the other morning this question would have sounded odd, but I wonder if the innkeeper you know, depending how much of his heritage he's familiar with, um, knows of any stories about anything literally living in the cold. You know, worth asking questions. We can just kind of pose it as, hey, we're just, we're just interested in your culture. And if anything, Professor Stamp, maybe you can get a paper out of it. Yeah, okay. I mean, I can ask him. I, I don't mind striking up a conversation. I don't have any plans uh, other than getting a hot meal in me. All right. Let's assume before you do that, that everybody else, have you like settled in your rooms? Yeah, I've, I've had something to eat and then gone to my room. Yeah. All right. Are you going to have something to eat and then go to your room? Or yeah. Around? I'm going to eat then go to my room. All right. Um, I'm going to go with Professor Stamp. All right. I'll assume then the rest of you are downstairs. Uh, eating, the, uh, having eating. a bite to eat. All right. 
hot coffee. Mm-hmm. So uh, everybody seems very friendly here. Um, George introduces his wife, uh, Margaret, um, and there is a younger assistant. Uh, also looks like he's uh, uh, American Indian descent, uh, named Leon uh, Peabody. Um, they uh, they're just doing their job, but uh, you wanted to talk to uh, George. Yeah. I'll start off with just, uh, pleasantries. Like I really uh, like your decor. It, uh, it's Algonquin Nation, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah. My ancestors go back to when the, the moon fell out of the sky. and Long before my own ancestors arrived here, I'm sure. Well, you know, the Algonquins were a, a nation before white men ever came to... Uh, this part of the world. Oh, I, I know. I know. I was just trying to be culturally oh, sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> trying to make a light joke at my own expense. You're you're amazingly culturally sensitive for 1920. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna let him in on our, our story. I'm gonna say, you know, we mentioned earlier about us having a, a hard day and why we didn't start out early. And I'm going to tell him the weird story of the man frozen. Mm. Frozen solid. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. As if something had, something came out of the storm and attacked him. I would think he was crazy too, George, if I hadn't seen it with my own two eyes. Well, we, we believe that everything has a Manitou, a, uh, a spirit that lives inside of it. And even the winter, the cold, did this man do something to offend the winter? I think he was trying to be nice. He was trying to, he was worried about one of his patients. He was a doctor like myself. We've been, we've been hired to check on the well-being of one of his patients. There are, are Manitou's good or are they evil? Well, there are both. The uh, the Asha Manitou are the good spirits. The uh, Achi Manitou's are the bad spirits. Mm. And the one over them all is the Gichi Manitou, the great spirit. What you would call God. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are mischievous. Some of them are, are very evil. And of course, our medicine men they uh they try to harness the power of the manitou uh the manitou of plants for healing uh the uh the manitou of we we always when we when we consume food when we kill something for food we always thank the manitou for providing us with sustenance and food mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm ashamed to say I don't know much about your language, but <clears throat> that that word Manitou it reminds me of another word I heard before that I didn't understand, but I still don't understand. Is there a Salatu? Salatu. That's that's a word for like 
what you would call maybe resurrection. Salatu, yeah. Yes, where did you hear this word? I was at some strange event, um, uh, social gathering, if you if you want to uh, call it that, some weird um, spiritualist event. And um, one of the mediums supposedly was channeling a, a spirit of some sort. And it said the words, Pana Wichi Salatu. He suddenly looks at you rather dumbfounded. And, and he says, my death foretells my life. Hmm. That's what it means. And you say you heard this from yes, a spiritual the, medium. Was she an, Ameri uh, an American Indian, uh, a Native American? She wasn't. No. How could she know? No, that? I don't believe she was. She might have had some some heritage, but she didn't. Certainly didn't look native to me. There are medicine men of great power. And we believe that they are uh, able to travel from life to life, uh, what you would call reincarnation. Mm -hmm. How does that reincarnation work? Oh, Leo, I didn't see you direct. <laughs> A, uh, a, powerful, a powerful shaman especially one, it, it, it's, it's something that, that is forbidden but a powerful shaman can uh, transfer his life essence when he is dying uh, into into another place and he can wait there until the right time and then he can be reborn. Um, he will be more powerful every single time he is reborn. That's really? very disturbing. This there are legends in our amongst our people of of when, powerful evil shamans that have done this. They seek power when they're reborn. Is there any story or background about how that might happen? And I tell him about the sheets and the color that was on the sheets, the liquid that was on the sheets. What you are saying is very, very disturbing. But is there a medicine man nearby that we could consult or talk to, would be willing to help us out? None, none nearby that... Uh... I don't know. I mean, I'm not really. These are these are the things of our people, but mm -hmm. they're old. They're they're things that I don't know that are even practiced any longer. But this is very disturbing. Um, the last time that I ever heard of such a thing. Uh, was perhaps 50 years ago. There was a young woman of uh, 
the Algonquin tribes who developed a kind of a growth on her back and uh, some sort of a, uh, which we'd call a tumor now, but it grew, grew quickly. And when at last it uh, became very large, it burst and a child was born out of it. Now this may just be a legend, but uh, we tell these like stories to our children at nightmares and, uh, uh, you know, like ghost stories. Yeah, sounds like changelings from European legends. And that it was the uh, the last time uh, one of the great ones was born. Uh, he was called Misquamacus. Why did you call her one of the great ones? Misquamacus. Uh, Nisquamachus, uh, his name means uh, the ancient wonder worker. Uh, he was of the Wampanoag tribe. Uh, he was a sorcerer of great power, and we believe that he has been reincarnated six times now. Really? Is he, is he a good man? He seeks only his own power and uh, and fortune. We don't know what his motivations would be. We would respect him, but we would fear him greatly. But he's born 50 years ago. Is he not still alive now? No, he's born fully grown. Mm. These things are not born like children that grow up. He's not, not a child. He's... Uh, a powerful Manitou that's moving through time. Is, they, is, is he alive? Is it, uh, could I visit him in a location? Or no, is he... No. As far as I know, he doesn't exist any longer. Mm. But if he's coming back, that is not a good thing. Are they what other tribes would have called skinwalkers? Skinwalker. That's a different thing entirely. There are a lot of legends about strange things. And Miss Kulmakis is not necessarily associated with anything cold. Uh, we have a lot of legends about cold things as well. Things that uh, hunt, hunt the wilds and uh, kill, kill people who get lost in the woods. And I heard stories when I was a child of a thing called a Wendigo. Yes, the Wendigo. Things like that. Strange, cannibalistic, once human people who are stranded in the snow and became cannibals and ultimately wendigos. And now they have insatiable desires for human flesh. And uh, they will eat anything they find. If, if you're lost in the woods, you're almost certainly doomed. Well, the good doctor certainly didn't look like he was nibbled on. No, but he did talk about losing his hand when he was a child being lost in the woods. The woods are treacherous, especially up here in Maine. It's very cold. It's very... The nature doesn't forgive. Do you, do you know of any, uh, any magic that we could use to protect ourselves if we cross this wizard's path? I, I'm not a shaman. 
Is there anyone around we could ask? None that I know of. No. What about the stories of the cold? And the cold being vengeful against people? Well, the most common would be the, the Wendigo. But uh, there are, I mean, the cold itself, if, if, we're, if, we're, if we're talking about my, the legends of my people, the cold itself is a, is a manitou. The, uh, the, uh, the wind, the, uh, the snow, they all are manitous. And if they serve an evil sorcerer, then they are deadly. I don't know that anything could actually freeze the way that you that you said your friend was was frozen. But um, if you were to have the Manitou of ice and cold on your side, perhaps. Did the Manitou ever use the wind to talk to the people? Sure. As I say, the Manitou of the wind is is another Manitou. They're all every tree, every rock, every stone. All of you have Manitous. The this desk, this tit chair this light, this fire, everything is a manatee. Well, our, our friend was a good man. He was a doctor who spent his life helping people. So whatever came after him was not good. Let's hope that nothing that we've talked about is true. Of course, Indeed. it is fast. Is there a way we could show our respect to the good Manitou of the woods of the forest? Just show respect? <laughs> I don't know. Is the there something? Show respect to anything else. It, it's mm -hmm. not, you, you can speak to a Manitou, you can talk to a Manitou, you can ask it for favors. Most likely it won't, won't pay any attention to you whatsoever. Mm. I know in, in speaking to elders of Native, bringing them gifts of tobacco, for example, is considered showing proper respect. I, I wondered if there is something with, with the Manitou that would be like that. I don't think the Manitou need anything. Um, life, death, happiness, sadness, anger, everything is a Manitou. Everything has its own purpose. Some are good, some are evil, some are neutral. I think that if you really wanted to find someone, it would be difficult. You would have to inquire. You've inquired with me. I would have to inquire with my own people. They would probably have to find where where is a shaman that we can speak with, a medicine man. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I would have to go on the same search. Well, I, I need to uh, tend to something over here. And he, uh, he goes back to, to tending to something. So that was a pretty interesting talk with Mr. Quill. I, I know that we've, since we've had the poor frozen Dr. Harrod, this case seems to have uh, veered off of off the road, much like we did earlier. Um, what do you think, Professor Stamp? I mean, let's just assume that maybe there's a possibility there's something a little bit out of the ordinary, way out of the ordinary. Um, from your research and your knowledge, does any of this sound 
now I can't use the word plausible, but anything you've come across in your studies? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, it seems like sound native folklore to me. Now, again, like you said, is it plausible? I mean, of course not, right? There's no such thing as a Manitou. Of course. But we do have a frozen man who's snapped in half and another man, uh, a, a man, you know, missing a hand who shot himself with the hand that he's missing. Well, I'll tell you what is real. <laughs> Although, you know, I oftentimes wish it were not. There is a God and there is a devil. What the natives perceive as spirits and, uh, you know, <clears throat> sorcerers, etc. They're, they're creatures of legend, the, the Wendigo, the, um, the skinwalkers that you mentioned. It's a very popular <coughs> amongst Christian scholars that these are just manifestations of, of the devil. Or demons, if you will. Very uh, it's much. All, it, this is all hokum. Just a bunch of uh, way of scared old men to scare other people into sending in donations. Well, maybe you're right. I kind of hope you are, but uh, I don't know. Given everything that we've seen in the last 24 hours, I'm starting to wish I had gone to church a little more recently than... Uh, what was the last time? Christmas? Well, you know, my, my mother's people are uh, Taino Indians from Cuba. And my father, you know, good Cuban man of Spanish descent, Roman Catholic. There's lots of times they would tell stories when we were little, or my father would discuss this research where they told the same stories, but they had all different names. <laughs> the people sure. in the stories had different names. It's the same story. But this is so weird. I think that we've we've eaten. We've hopefully we'll get some sleep, but the chances of that seem to be getting lower and lower. <laughs> um, such a strange happenstance that 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 even came into conversation. It's just the word he was using. It reminded me of that previous experience. Yeah. What? What did? Was it just because the word was similar? Hmm. Yeah. The language sounded similar. It's you come across these things a lot when you study cultural anthropology and when he kept saying the word manitou it reminded me of that word that i heard i wish we still had the recording I, from the therapy session does, does anyone recall if they heard anything that was not english sounding no there, no there no but he definitely did mention in his dreams uh some kind of demons in the snowstorm exactly and i mean and you know, for a scared little boy, reliving a hunting a trip gone wrong, um, the howling wind could be. I mean, Lord only knows what he well, really saw, but he was talking about something. Sadly, the only consistent things in this case so far have been the weirdness. <laughs> well, one thing's for sure. We're likely to learn more once we find Stuart and um, I forgot the way. Well, I don't want to draw too many conclusions Fair. since we're telling ghost stories here, but did anybody else notice that uh, 
his story of the lump on a woman's back producing a full-grown man. We didn't ask him about what kind of goo came out of that tumor. But that was his answer to me saying that. Like I told him the story that there was stuff on oh, the sheet. Oh, sorry. I, I, yeah, yeah, the, I wasn't there for that. I didn't oh, hear the, the part. So this is going to be strange, which feels really I thought at this point. But when we looked at the basement of the house, right, we assumed that she was pregnant, right? And there was this icker, this stuff. But what if she was pregnant again? I mean, this is already bizarre. So the neighbor assumed it was it was Stuart, but I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, what, it's what are you trying to say? Crazy, I know. <laughs> yes, exactly what you're about to say, Professor Stamp. That one, maybe it wasn't Stuart, and two. There are those blankets there, and something is trying to come back. Maybe it's not the first time she was "quote unquote" pregnant. It's just random speculation. <laughs> Maybe I'm just tired. Maybe I'm. And here, here we were hoping to get a good night's sleep tonight. Maybe my bell. <laughs> Maybe my bell still rung from that car, but. Maybe, but. Tom, can I ask you a, an out of game question or mm -hmm. a, a character question? <sighs> Um, now, Professor Stamp has quite deliberately kept this to himself so far, but right. I like that that saying didn't come from a medium, right? When I heard the Panawichi Salatu, it actually originated from kind of an ectoplasmic apparition. Yeah, that's what it seemed. Right. You know, like I, at the time, I thought it was some kind of weird thing, but now that I'm just thinking back. And as I recall, it seemed to look somewhat like a fetus. Mm, yes, it did. Mm. And now, this is me mixing my my kind of own knowledge with, with with something that I'm not sure if the character would have seen or not. Ectoplasm, you know, in the supposed uh, tales, often leaves you know ectoplasm is left behind in cases of apparition. Sometimes things of that sort, right? Like, and it's often like a green goo. I mean, like at least Ghostbusters, right? Limer. <laughs> so. Was there anything like that at that seance scene left behind? Not, after not that you could holding? see, no. There was okay. no residue. No, I was just trying to think if, because Stamp would be trying to remember now if that could have possibly had anything to do with this this crap we found on the sheets. You know? But no, that's fine. It doesn't correlate. It's, that's grand. It's actually one of the things that... Um... Probably happier if it doesn't correlate, honestly that sort of made the whole uh, medium thing stick in your head. And that's that you're well aware that there are fakes. You, you expected. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, if there had been goo, that's what you would have expected. But there didn't seem to be okay. anything. And, and it didn't seem to come from anywhere either. It it's almost rose up through the wood of the table. But there was no holes or trap doors or yeah, I've seen yeah, it was some, quite quite bizarre. Seen some stage magicians do some pretty crazy shit too that seemed like getting, you know, pulling rabbits out of hats and things of that sort. So I don't know. Who knows? All right. 
I'm still not sold on it being real, but it's a really, really disturbing coincidence, if nothing else, at the moment. Um, so you guys are all sitting there. You've, you've finished your eating. Uh, you're relaxing near the fire. Dr. Jonathan Burke has gotten up off, the ta- uh, off from the table. He looks a little preoccupied. He walks over towards the fire. Um, he leans on the mantle. Uh, everybody do a spot hidden, except for Dr. Hey, I passed. I'm, I'm me because I'm not there. Oh, that's right. You're upstairs. It's a regular pass. All right. If, you, if you passed, uh, you seem to notice that Dr. Burke yep. is quietly mumbling something to himself as he walks over. Maybe he's thinking out loud or going over. You can't hear anything that he's saying. Can I try Jonathan? Jonathan, are you all right? Damn it. <laughs> He doesn't reply. Guess not. Okay. Can I try to approach and see if I can hear what he's saying? Sure. Do we roll listen or? Um, sure. No, and I'm not going to spend that much luck. <laughs> you, you, you can hear only that he's vaguely, slightly whispering. But you can't hear any of the words. No, no, no. I want to. I want to grab his shoulder and kind of give him a shake. Hey, Jonathan, what's going on? Oh, what's the matter? What's uh, up? You were just saying something. Oh no, I was just saying my prayers. Are you starting to get a little unsettled? Well, I, we saw a man frozen and breaking in half. Um, you know, we had the, the nice innkeeper tell us all the stories of evil Manitou's coming. Yeah, huh. I'd be uh, surprised if you weren't a little disturbed, Leo. Mm. You know, my, my father's a professor at, at Miskatonic and occult studies. So growing up, I've heard all these stories. I mean, of course, you know, he always um, accounted for everything as being, you know, cultural tales, way to ex- ways to explain the natural world. Um, uh, my upbringing, my growing up was never was uh, interesting. But so hearing these stories doesn't freak me out at all. I'm sure there's still some sort of rational explanation. But the strange is out there. Um, there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Uh and as and I am observing the doctor very closely, mm-hmm. having just gotten a reaction when he wasn't giving any. Is uh, is there anything really obvious, or or do I notice anything? Did he seem to come out of a? a you know, how lost in his mind was he when he was mumbling? Do a psychology poll. <clears throat> if you've got it. I do. And I just got a 70... Uh, I will use the six luck points to pass that roll. Okay. 
he definitely seemed very fixated on something in his mind. He was concentrating. He was, you, you, you were actually talking to him and he was oblivious until you touched him. I was also holding something that's around my neck. Uh, did you stuff it back into your shirt or can I see what it is? It's a necklace. You, you can't see what it is from where you are. You could ask me to take it out. It's a piece of jewelry of some kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know that I'm going to go that far. I just uh, am a little spooked myself and wanted to see just how unsettled you might be. Huh. Hey, I gotta share a room with him. <laughs> <laughs> and as, as, you guys, as you guys are downstairs enjoying the uh, the warmth and the, the creepiness, um, you can hear the wind come up outside. You can hear it uh, it, it whistling around the corners of the house uh, of the inn. Uh, you can hear it rustling through the trees. Ricky, you're upstairs. Um, you went upstairs and you sat on the end of your bed because you're feeling very much alone. These gentlemen have an agenda. They seem to know what they're doing and you're going along with it because you need to deliver a fucking letter. <laughs> um, but you don't feel part of their group. You feel isolated. You feel chilly even though this room is is warm and you can hear you can see outside that the, there's snow falling and you can hear the, the whistling of the wind around the outside of the house and and up in the eaves of the of the roof uh do a power roll my t4 is a fail all right you think about the day's events, you think about what happened this morning, you walk over to your window and you look out into the flakes that are being illuminated by the light through your window, um, which is uh, kerosene light. Thank you. Uh, do another power bowl. Two. Two, okay. Two. As you're standing there, uh, you find that your hands are drifting upwards uh, towards the, uh, this kind of window opens this way. They're drifting up towards the handles of the door. And for just a minute, you sort of almost decide to open the window but the last minute you're you're you, you just you give up that idea and you go back over and you sit on the bed uh perhaps you lean back and uh you slowly drift to sleep the rest of you after after drinking uh you know some i don't know hot cocoa or coffee or whatever um, uh, 
you decide to go up to bed and you uh you head up to bed and before uh, i go up before i go up to bed i i just stick my head in the kitchen and say mr choir there quill there's there's weird stuff going on be be safe with your wife and child you know of course keep an eye out yes thank you yeah. i'm sorry that i creeped you all out earlier <laughs> you didn't creep me out there's something weird going on so the rest of you head up to your rooms and there is there are a few moments of comfort and perhaps a little jocularity. Uh, you, uh, you get comfortable, um, probably take your, your pants and your, your shirts off and you climb into bed and the bed's nice and warm, but you hear that whistling, howling sort of of the wind outside and it's difficult it's difficult to go to sleep. Uh, you can all do power rolls. I got a extreme success. Okay. 71. Fail. Uh, Dr. Stamp, you start thinking about uh, the Algonquin legends, some of them you're already familiar with. Um, everybody knows them at the Mistatonic. It's, it's fairly common. And before you know it, you're, you're asleep. And you don't wake up until morning. Uh, who else had a success? All of you? Uh, no, I failed. Yeah, okay. I failed. Well, if you had a success, you, you eventually fall asleep and sleep until morning. Those of you who, who failed... You lay there for a good hour and a half, two hours, going over the events that happened that day and listening to that damn wind outside howling and thinking about weirdness and those Algonquin legends and the Wendigo and the, the, the Manitou and the Miskwamachus, the, uh, the evil medicine man. And eventually you fall asleep. You don't have a very good sleep. Eventually, you all wake up in the morning. Uh, some of you well rested, some of you not so well rested. Ricky, you you've you pretty much had a good night's sleep after that, but um, you were pretty damn. You felt very lonely. You felt more lonely than you were creeped out. Yeah. yeah. And there's a guy standing behind you. No, it's just a picture. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, oh, who's that? Um, so the next morning, uh, there's, there's another foot of snow on the ground. Uh, it's early. We'll say 7.30 a.m. Uh, it's still dusk, uh, pre pretty, uh, pretty early morning light. Uh, the sun is probably coming up from behind the mountains. Uh, all of the shadows are leaning to one side sharply. Uh, there's trees all around you, but the sky above you is turning uh, gray-blue. Uh, it doesn't look like there's any clouds. Um, the car parked out in the, in the thing 
has a drift of snow on one side of it. Uh, but uh, nothing that you can't clear off in five minutes. You probably have to scrape the ice off the windows. And if you want, then you can begin your, your the final 55 miles of your, mm-hmm. it's gonna take about an hour. I assume I'll be driving again. Yep. How's your I think that's a great idea, Ricky. <laughs> Don't worry, I got this. You're all in safe hands. Well, it's a lot safer than the docks. But anyway, um, uh, while we're driving along, uh, what do people think? Are we going to stop in Bangor? We've got about 50 miles to go, I think. To Bangor, right? And then we've got 30 miles north of there is where the hunting lodge is. Well, we covered, what, about 200-some-odd miles yesterday? Yep. So I, um, I think depending on the weather, right, we should be able to push all the way through. Although, maybe we want to stop in Bangor, get a few more supplies, kind of restock uh, food-wise uh, after our trip up here. That sounds like a plan. What did you guys get up to last night after I uh, went upstairs? <laughs> yeah, that's when things got really weird. Uh, we, we spoke to the innkeeper. We shared a bunch of legends with us. Um, nothing in this, well, nothing that really sheds light in the case, but um, <coughs> more of Native American theories about what happened with the case. Maybe some of the other guys have got a, a better way to explain it, but it uh, it was unsettling. <laughs> so some more weird, so some more weird shit then. Yeah, basically. Oh, also, Ricky, you know, I, I know we were all exhausted and everything yesterday, but I think uh, I think at this point you're pretty much firmly in the group. Um, you've experienced just as much of this bizarreness as we have. Um, so I think it'd be a good idea if we started taking meals together, just to check in with everyone. Wait, 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 wait. Are we voting on this? Because I don't want him in the group. <laughs> I, I don't... <laughs> I don't want to I mean, make your shitty group. The, the kid's bad luck, and he can't even deliver a fucking letter. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And he's a lawyer on top of that. Hey. I'm just joshing with you. Right. You're all right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's seen just as many bodies as we have in the last 48 hours, so it's got to count well, Hey, something. he actually broke someone in half. I mean, technically speaking, <laughs> you know, he broke Dr. Dr. Herod could have still been alive at that point. He may have killed yeah. him. And I did throw up by his head as well, so you know. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's safe to say you're one of us now, Ricky. Yeah, what if I don't want to be one of you? I... Tough luck. Yeah, I don't think you've got a choice, mate. Yeah, I'm kind of driving for you guys now, so you know. <laughs> so just so, to uh, clarify your your plans, it's two fifty two hundred and fifty five miles to Bangor. It's then thirty miles to Hudson, and then it's like another ten miles out into the woods to the the camping lodge to the, mm-hmm. the hunting lodge. 
Oh, I thought we were just 50 miles from Bangor at this point. You you are 50 miles. Yeah, 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 but that's oh, another oh. 40 miles to the cabin. Well, right. So I think we were going to stop in Bangor. Stop off Bangor. Resupply, right. check the weather, and then head up from there. Ricky, do yeah, one last um, uh, uh, drive check. Well, it's not your last. Your last one before Bangor. Drive check and luck check. It, it might be. 50, 50, 58, 58 on the drive. Now, am I feeling lucky? Uh, 51 on the luck, which is a fail. All right. But I passed the drive. But that was, that's not, <laughs> that's that's the a, important one. That was not a good face from Tom. Yeah, I know. Uh, as you are, as you are not too far from, you're probably about uh, ten miles outside of Bangor. Um, you come around a corner, and uh, there is a large tree uh, that has fallen on the road, uh, completely blocks the road. Uh, there is no way that you would be able to move it. Um, as a result, you have to find an alternative route, which will mean backtracking about three miles and then taking a, a side road uh, in an attempt to work your way around. And that is going to delay you another uh, two hours. Fuck, what the hell is this tree doing here? What the Fuck, lizard man. Who'd have thunk a tree in the middle of the forest? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it happened. Well, in the block in the road. <laughs> I mean, it could have been an old sick tree and the weight of the snow could have just weighed it down too much and it just fell over. It happens. We drive around, right? So by the time you get to Bangor, it is 10.30 in the morning. You left at 7.30. Uh, should have only taken an hour, but... Um, all right, you pull into Bangor. Bangor is a large town. Uh, Bangor is a, a fishing village. It's, a village. it's not a village, it's a city. Um, there's 39,000 people living here in 1920. Uh, pretty much anything that you would need if you want to get supplies, if you want to resupply. Um, there is uh, the, the road you need to go. It's going to be 30 miles to Hudson. And I'm going to ask you to do another roll on that way, if if unless you want to get stuff in Bangor. Yeah, I think we're going to restock, aren't we? Get a few bits. Uh, yeah. Is there, is there a, if we ask around, is there a bar where or a gathering place where native people hang out? Bangor. There's a there's a small a small population of natives um uh it's prohibition you could probably go in in bangor find a speakeasy um i would be open that early yeah they wouldn't be open i i'm thinking more like something that would be more positive gathering i think probably if we checked for an eating establishment near the docks that might be your best bet The uh, the Algonquin Nation is, I don't think that there are reservations 
in that part of the world. I think they're pretty much incorporated into nat most natural society. That's why, that's why George told you it would be kind of difficult because he'd have to ask people and they'd have to ask people. And it's not like they could go to the tribal elders because they don't even know if there are any tribal elders around. Um, it might be a safe bet that they're still involved or involved in the, the fishing industry. Oh yeah, I mean, there's definitely there's there's major fishing here in Bangor, uh, and shipping. Um, this is a major hub for uh, both Canada and the United States in in Bangor. So it's ten thirty. Why don't we reprovision, right? We'll make sure we've got food. Um, anything else you guys can think of that we might possibly need? Maybe Dr. Burke, if you want to stock up on some extra medical supplies, and then maybe around mm -hmm. lunch we'll see if we can catch some of the guys on the docks. And what we'll do is we will call the game there, since we've reached two hours, and we will uh, pick it up uh, next week. Uh, you guys uh, feel free to correspond with one another during the week and decide what you think you might want to do. We'll call that the conversation that you're having in the car, and then you can just you know present it to me next week. Also, because you slept and you got up, uh, go ahead and do that luck thing. Uh, roll your luck skill. Uh, if you fail your luck skill, then you can roll the 1d10 increase. We roll the percentage? Correct. No, I may, I may you want to, you want to, in this case, get over the percentage. Uh, I, I, you I, only I, go back to your normal luck, right? You don't... No, you don't, normally you no. stay at whatever you're at. Luck, luck can go higher than you had to begin with. Oh. Okay. So it's just a matter of uh, now. This is assuming you lost luck, or you used your luck. You don't get it if you didn't use your luck. Oh, okay. It's just like a just like a skill check. It's like a skill check. And um, did we get a hit point for yes. getting any rest? You can have a hit point back from from that. You can also have a sand point back for uh, getting a good night's sleep. I should probably say, except for the people who failed their pow and had a really rough, rough night. All right, we'll call it there. Uh, let me go ahead to the uh, the outro. This happened. All right. <clears throat> uh, our players uh, included John Lundman, Ian Christensen, John Hicks, Michael Rodriguez, and Josh Harwood, with myself as the keeper of the secrets. We're currently producing up to five shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a richer listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. The costs involved with the show are provided almost entirely by our patrons. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. We have a new patron. Gary Welsh has pledged $3 a month. I GM'd a scenario for Gary at Necronomicon a couple days ago, and uh, he decided to join us. So... Uh, we should see him in a game pretty soon. So thank you very much, Gary, for uh, your contribution. Uh, if you'd like to support our show, please visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. You can find a link in the description below. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch that bell icon for updates on our latest shows. And leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answering any questions you might have. This is Tom Riley, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck, good gaming.